This is Mark Morrow, Ma Kali, and you are listening to the Live on Mission podcast. We are back. 2022. Let's go. The Live on Mission podcast, our first episode of the new year. Happy New Year to everyone, all of our listeners everywhere. And we are live in the studio. We we call this the studio. It's really the Rockwall County Library. Shout out to them, our sponsor. And we have Well, first of all, I'm your host you, and my co-host is back in the studio, the Kai Martin. Kai, welcome back. Thanks. It's been a while. Yep, it's been too long, that's for sure. It's like Wolf Brand Chili. And we have a special guest. He is one of those M's, um, a real live M from across the water. And I want him to introduce himself, but you guys know him. We've had so many teams work with him. This is the one and only Mark. Mark, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's great to be here. Shout out to all the people that I've had an opportunity to hang out with over the years with iGo. I'm excited to be in the studio and uh, also see you guys face-to-face and, yeah, talk about some exciting stuff. Face-to-face. Like, face we to ain't face. done this in a long time. It has been a minute, hasn't a it? A long time. And, man, it's good. I mean, we'll talk about why we're able to do this face-to-face in a little bit. Right. But we're glad to see you. Like you have a huge history with IGO, hosting teams, leading teams, all that kind of stuff. Before we get into that, tell us, like, you, man, when I first met you, you were just a young college kid trying to keep your hair on your head. But <laughs> that didn't now, work out like, too good for me. No, nah, me neither. But you got a family. Like you got you got a wife. You got kids. What's what's your status, bro? Yeah, God's been good. That's that's for sure. So we are um, three kids. Kids under the belt, two sons, uh, an 11 year old, an eight year old, and a five year old whippersnapper. Uh, Hudson's my oldest, Lucas is my middle, and then Chloe is the five year old. So they keep us on our toes, keep us on our knees, um, but we've been blessed to be able to do a lot of uh, stuff with them, kind of as a family. And so right now we're here in the States temporarily, kind of seeing where Father's going to lead us to next. We've been back a little longer than we had hoped. But yeah. It's been good to reconnect and see my mom a lot and a lot of a lot of family and friends. So we're kind of in a holding position, but um, it's good. You know, our family's kind of learned one of the uh, I go trace flexibility <laughs> over the years. Uh, you guys pounded that into me early on, and so that has helped in marriage and and raising kids as as well as missions. Be flexible. So we are trying to be flexible, um, but we're really excited. Um, to see what God has next, but yeah, that's that's it. My wife's awesome. She's uh, we're both kind of school teachers by trade, mm-hmm. and so um, it's worked out for anybody out there. If you're a teacher and you marry a teacher, you get nice vacation packages together. That works right. out really good. So that's the been big good break. for us. The big break. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but well, we're all good. You, you are good. We we get to see that on Facebook now, which is a a whole new world for you, but we get to it is. keep up because the security is not as big of an issue right now for you. So that's cool. And right. man, like I go started in 2000. Our first team overseas was in 2001. Kai was on that team and uh, you got involved. 
in 2002. You, right? Yeah, you just just barely. You just right? barely missed it. But you got involved leading a team with us in 2002. In fact, you you led a team with Kai on that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would I would go as far to say, out of the two teams that I had a leader, which was the first year when you and Gr were my leaders, yes, and the next year when Mark and Kelly, I would say Mark and Kelly were by far my favorite team leaders. I, I would agree with that myself. Like, <laughs> your team leaders your first year just were fighting the whole time with each yeah. other. All right. And, uh, that J.R. Vassar, uh, can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. But Maybe Mark, that first year you guys were like, we want to travel. If we get a team, they can pay for it, and we'll go, right? Maybe, mm-hmm. it, was, maybe it started like that. Oh, I'm just Pretty kidding. much, yeah. <laughs> I still can't believe anybody let their kids go with us right, that right. first year. Um, thankfully, we were going to Japan, but – I knew Mark had spent time teaching already, like you'd already spent time teaching after college in Taiwan. Right. You knew other languages, and um, so it was a natural fit to say, hey, come lead a team for us. You did that. You led our SARS team that um, <laughs> was supposed to go into Asia and then couldn't go into Asia because of SARS, which was a whole different type of pandemic at the time. And, <laughs> and then y'all ended up in Greece and yeah. Thessalonica, Thessaloniki. Yeah, um, Mount Olympus. And, uh, man, I wanted you to go ahead and just tell us all the teams you've led and all the teams you've hosted <laughs> run through and give us right, a list name of names. Everybody. Yeah. I should fill up the first, <laughs> got a uh, list first version of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I worked on this last night. Uh, well, I, I, let me back up just real quick and say how, how I came to IGO. Because yeah. for me, it's really neat. It's, it's just God's affirmation. Because I did spend four years in Taiwan. Um, I had been there for two summers, kind of doing a summer missions teaching thing. And then I moved there to teach. And for four years, I was just kind of living, living large, you know, I had, uh, as a single guy, had a place to live, had a decent salary, was able to travel, made a lot of friends. And occasionally, sprinkling through those four years were some outreaches, uh, you know, playing worship and all that. But there was not like an on-mission mindset in my heart or in my mind. And at the end of those four years, it was time to come home to reconnect. And I remember praying uh, on my bed the last night before I was flying home. I was like, Lord, if you will just bring me back to Asia and let me do full-time missions. That's my heart. I I really want to come back, and I want to just be focused on missions. I didn't really see how that would happen or if it would happen, but that was my prayer. Get on a plane, fly home. You get back in the States. Things start rolling, looking for a job, all that to settle. And then... Out of the blue, really, J.R. Vassar contacts me and is like, hey, uh, we have a you know, new organization. We're, we're sending teams, and we have a team that wants to go into China. Would you want to lead? I mean, it was just like one of those, <laughs> you hear music, angels like, ah. <laughs> like, this is incredible. It was a huge answer to a huge prayer at, you know, at, at an early stage in my life, and I just I see God's hand all over it now, looking back, especially with all the years of, of working with Igo. So... Uh, thanks to Jr. and I don't know if you had any say in that, or you're like, who's Mark, or if you're like, yeah, I knew, you know. Mm-hmm. But you guys, there's no doubt in my me. mind that I told Jr. to talk to you. Okay. Like, I don't want to give Jr. credit. Right, for right. This. He's not here, so <laughs> thanks, Chu. Yes, no doubt. <laughs> Kai, you probably had something to do with it, one way or another. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, you you did like end up not just leading teams for us, but then you transition and begin to host teams as you moved overseas and your family, right. you know, you guys, I don't even remember all the timeline of that. I know there's yeah. multiple 
trips overseas where you were yeah you were our guy where we sent teams to you we've got so many students that know you because mm-hmm. they came in and served alongside you guys but it's just amazing it's been amazing um i mean i can literally say that you know if you guys hadn't reached out to me for that first team i mean i don't know where i would be now but i know that has been the trajectory of missions in my life you know like starting out with leading and just seeing Uh, the impact that teams make, you know, and and even I think at that time, because I was older, I'd already graduated, I'd worked, I'm already looking, what is it like for the host missionaries when teams come? I'm a team leader, but I'm I'm noticing, you know, what are they doing? They've got kids, how are they living here? And I could just tell how much they appreciated us coming. So for me, once we got over there as a family, it was an easy transition to be like, okay, I know the, I know the main thing we want to do is get teams to come. And we can talk about that more later, why? But, yeah, it was a neat perspective for me to be able to say, this is cool on this side, and then to end up on the other side and, and just know instantly one aspect of our work is going to be hosting teams and putting teams to work with us, you know. Um, I think leading the teams is a little more at the beginning, you know, just trying to, I'm, I'm going through the core values with everybody. I'm getting that kind of that mandate put on me from the Lord, like, and then later, as a host family, it's, it's a different dynamic, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's just all good. It's all good. I love the fact that you've been on both sides of this thing. Uh, as, a, as a team leader taking a short-term team to the field to work alongside missionaries, you just talked about that. You saw the value of that. And then as a missionary that hosted them. And so I think, I think even today, even in 2022, there's some people that look at short-term missions and they're like, is that worth it? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is it worth the time, the money, uh, all the things that go into that? Um, is it worth the risk of COVID and a dangerous world that we live in? And so since you've been on both sides, wh- wh- what do you think about that? Why are short-term mission trips valuable? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's let's do both. Let's talk about as why is it valuable for the short-term mission participant, right. and what is the value if there is one for the for the host for the missionary that's living <clears throat> on the field. Yeah, um, I think that it's a it's a big question. There's just so many sure. <laughs> there's so many answers to that, which is great. You know, there's just so many layers to this. Um, I think if you're a youth pastor and you're thinking about taking a team, I mean, you're trying to obviously grow your students you know spiritually you're trying to get them out of their comfort zone get them in a situation where they have to learn you know to trust father a little more you know walk by faith a little more and there's nothing like a mission trip to do that right to get out of your normal routine and what you're comfortable with and just kind of put you in a situation where you literally you know have to trust god because you don't know in your own in your own knowledge and strength what to do kind of a thing Hmm. you know and so it's just a but it's not Forever, you know, there's there's a safety. It's it's a it's a short amount of time, so right. you know you're gonna be able to come back and, and unpack things. Um, so it's kind of accomplishes in a really short amount of time some big things, you know. Um, I think also you want to put a heart in your youth, you know, for the lost, you know, and that uh, a mission trip can really open their eyes to the spiritual needs of of mm-hmm. the world, you know, the nations. I mean, we're unique in America. We do have the nations here in so many ways, which sure. I think IGO's really tapped into recently with LaunchBox and things like that. But, uh, you know, recently I put a statistic that I just Googled real quick on my Facebook. 380,000 churches in the United States, 
So per capita, there's 3 million, three, uh, 330 million people. So averages out to, you know, each church, about 800, 900 people in the state. You know, one church for every 800, 900 people. Yeah. And so we were coming out recently five years in a country where there was half a million people with no church, not even one church, visible church. Well, there was one visible church that the communist government set up, kind of a puppet, you know, just to say, yeah, we have a church. Yeah. We have a church for our city, you know, and it's like Arlington, Texas having one church, whereas, yeah. you know, there's probably 1,200, maybe even more. So that's a real, that's a statistic, right? That's a fact. And so, like, how do you let something like that sink in with an American high school or college student? Mm. It's not going to sink in while they're here. Right. I mean, even working with refugees here and, and, and serving, you know, under, underserved communities here, which are huge and important, and we should be focused on that, there's something still yet to be realized when you go mm. to the country where these people are coming in from and you see that there's just no visible church, there's no... Um, Christian witness publicly, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that should sit heavy on them, you know. And, and then you also, though, discover all the core values. You know, you start to realize, oh, ancient work, you know. Yeah, God actually is here. And that was one of my, uh, the most exciting things about having teams come was to watch them discover mm-hmm. in the relationships that they formed and the stories they heard, how God was there and moving. And they're, they've come back to our house, you know, or and like, guess who I met today? Somebody's grandma had this, or somebody told me a story. And we're like, see, ancient work would just unfold, you know. And so it's just a powerful thing for a young person, I think, to have their perspective widened. And the Lord can really widen a young person's perspective mm-hmm. on, a, on an international trip, even a short one, you know, because mm-hmm. so much can happen. We hear that all the time. Yeah, you know, sure. Students talk about how... God gets bigger to them right? when they go. When you, It's a whole different level. Like you said, all the stuff we're doing here is super, super important, mm-hmm. but it's a whole different level when you go into a place that's mostly unreached or at least least reached, and, and you see God at work, and you see the lostness, and you see the need. It's just a totally different level. That is, I, I hate the idea that students are missing that. Yeah. Um, that they, maybe they don't have a chance to go or maybe because of COVID, nobody's gone in a while. I just hate the fact that they're missing that because it's such a big part of their understanding mm-hmm. of what God is doing in the world and their part in it. Right. And man, I, I don't want them to miss that. And sometimes you can't do it. You can't get that until you see it. Yeah. And we feel that on our end as far as we don't get to see the impact made on students who are experiencing that. But there's another side of that with missionaries who have been without teams for, you know, two, three summers in a row Mm -hmm. who are now, we hear it, you know, in their phone calls and emails with them of like, we need that kind of boost of energy that Mm -hmm. teams bring to Mm -hmm. the field and the way that helps and energizes them with their, with their outreach. And so could you speak to the other side of that now, like as a missionary? Yeah, definitely. I could speak on that for many hours. <laughs> and I asked my wife last night, you know, and she's just like, oh, man, you had to write another book about this. Because it's just what the short terms, what the short term teams do for the host families. is just it's hard to measure or put a, you know, quantify it. But they come in and like you just said, boost of energy. That's the first initial thing. You know, because when you're there year round, it's easy to get discouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, the work is hard. Um, the, the burden is heavy and the team comes in and 
at least it might not be the same for all host families. And some people might not even want to host for whatever reasons. But in my experience, when a team's coming on my end, I know I got to get some stuff ready. Okay. So it, it gives me like a new focus. Mm-hmm. What are, what are strategies going to be? I get to kind of reevaluate things uh, for the team. And then when they come in, they bring all their personalities and all their energy and their enthusiasm. And it just, it's infectious. You know, our family just sucks it up like a sponge. Um, having children, that's a whole nother thing. Um, the teams minister to our kids. And so, at, you know, for us, it's almost one of the most important things um, because we know that this is not easy for our kids to do, to live overseas far away. And so the team comes in, they kind of bring that American culture for the kids because that's what they miss. And the teams are playing games with them and t- watching shows with them and just connecting, you know, and the, our kids are just like, I mean, there's a, there's a flip, there's a bittersweetness because the team's going to leave eventually. But for those two or three weeks that they come, or maybe five, God willing, uh, it's just for our kids, you know, it's just every day, just smiles, and they, and they get to really connect with these people. And then, I mean, as, so that's kind of like a family thing. As far as the, the mission aspect, it's just boots on the ground. It's a numbers game, you know. Mm-hmm. If we're in a city of half a million and, and we were the only family in our city with kids. There were a few other single people and, and couples, but we were the only family. And, you know, half a million people. And I, most days I would drive around on my moped and just see the, the crowds. And I would almost feel overwhelmed every day, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to put a dent in this, Lord? And I felt the Lord say, you know, it's relationship and the people I lead you to, you know. You know that that's the one, because why would I waste time? You know, so the people you meet who, who are attracted to you want to talk to you. And so a team just makes that a wider net because they come in, and instead of just me and our family, there's like, you know, 10 of us now. And mm-hmm. each of those team members is a connection with somebody. And that's what we found. You know, we would do, you know, our thing um, in where we were because we couldn't, like, paint, you know, a church or have a VBS. It's very just like... Figured out, you know, and, and just to share a little bit, the teams would come in like, okay, what are we doing? And I'm like, we'd put a calendar up, you know, and it's just blank. <laughs> I'm like, this is what we're going to do. And they're like, what do you mean? You <laughs> know, like, you're going to fill it in as we go. You know, it's got like the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. And they're like, for real? You know, and I could tell it, it was unnerving for many of the team members at first because they're like, this is crazy. You know, he doesn't even have like a schedule, like what we're going to do all day. And, um, and, of course, the team leader plays into that, too, to kind of set up some smaller things. But I'm like, this is really it. It's like I want you to start your day in prayer, you know, have your team time, hit the ground, and just see what the Lord does. And I, even I, the first maybe year or two, were, I was a little apprehensive about this. <laughs> sure. But I saw quickly they would come back. Hey, I met a guy today at the coffee shop where some students invited us to their village or a teacher invited us to their class. And so I knew, I'm like, Lord, okay, so you get to fill this in and just lead them. And so hmm. that became really one of the exciting parts of our trip. Our city was really geared up for that, um, to just kind of set them out, walk by faith, mm-hmm. look for a person of peace, and it, and it would happen. And so, and then as they're connecting with people, and I'm, I'm, I have that same thought in my mind. These, these are people the Lord has intentionally let them meet. And then usually we would end our trip with some kind of party. You know? And this wasn't even my idea originally. It was one of the team leaders like, let's, we're going to throw a party you know, at a coffee shop. I'm like, let's do it. You know? Just gather them. So they invite everybody. 
And sure enough, you know, we fill up a restaurant slash coffee shop with 40 of all the people they met, 40 friends, and wow. it's a feast, and the owner loves it. He's banking, you know. Everyone's <laughs> it's a win-win, right? <laughs> and that night, you know, we show up and get to meet all these people. And obviously, when the team leaves, it's hard to follow up with 40 people personally. But the cool thing was is that we knew them, mm-hmm. they knew us, and we would usually see them throughout uh, the weeks or months around our city. And our, our family was big on, you know, Christmas, Easter. We would hand out stuff, you know, tracts or Bibles. And we would definitely visit these people. Sure. And they're like, yeah, we want it, you know. And how's, you know, how's uh, Jake from the team? You know, they would remember the team members. And so mm-hmm. it was just a connection. And we just don't know what God's going to do with those seeds, you know. We're excited to see. But so blessing us, blessing the city, you know, that's, to me, that's just incredible that you can come and do that in three weeks, four weeks. You can bless a family, strengthen them to go another year hard, and then you can bless a city, and who knows how. You know, we don't know. We can't even see until we get to heaven the fruit of all that. So that's huge. So when you think about that, starting with an empty calendar and you having done that for basically 10 years, right, I know it would be probably really difficult to, to pick, like, one story, but there's nothing easy about our podcast. And nope. so I'm going to ask you Bring to do it, it anyway. On, so, um, yeah. just, you know, talking a lot in general about teams and how they function and how they help, but could you share just one, maybe one of your favorite stories on a specific, like personal level of, um, something you saw God do through one of the teams? Yeah, definitely. Um, I might have to share too, just cause I, there's, there's quite a few, but for, you know, the high point of missions is salvation, right? It's sure. the end goal. And so you never know when a team comes in if they're going to see salvation happen for them. It can be very rare in different lands, you know, different countries. And in our area, while it's not super rare, it doesn't always happen for, that a team would see someone come to know the Lord. Um, so that's why it's so important, you know, um, joy of the sower right. and ancient work. But... Uh, Two stories, and this is kind of a three three generation story because we we've gone to this city in China so many times. Even before I lived there, just as a team leader, we had gone three times. And I remember the first year, I believe, uh, well, Crystal was a co leader of mine. Crystal Warlow, you might have to edit that out. <laughs> no, they're 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 in the states now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, let's just say this: one of the one of the first times we went into this city. Uh, my co-leader met a, a young girl uh, named Cupid on the college campus, and they became friends. And she hung out with her all the time, you know, and just tried to share the truth with her and, and just love on her and hang out. And at the end of that trip, you know, she was praying that Cupid would become a believer, and Cupid didn't, but she really uh, connected with uh, the American girl. And so then the team leaves, and, and of course I still know Cupid after the team leaves. So Cupid comes to our house, hangs out with my wife, gets to know us, and then another team comes, and another girl hooks up with Cupid, because I know Cupid, and I'm like, you would love to hang out. And they pour into her again, and they're praying, you know, and I've told them Cupid's heard the truth, and it's like, well, maybe she's going to believe. At the end of that trip, Cupid doesn't believe. The, the, the team member's a little sad that she didn't, but I am encouraging her, don't worry about it. This is a, a marathon, not a sprint, and we still know Cupid. And so third year, team comes. This is when uh, Chelsea comes. And Chelsea was able to uh, meet Cupid 
and become very good friends with Cupid. And on that trip and during that time, Cupid decides to trust her life to Jesus and mm. gets you know, baptized by Chelsea. So Chelsea is just overjoyed, you know. Mm-hmm. But as Chelsea's celebrating, I'm remembering the, the previous team members who poured yeah. into Cupid, you know, and how all together they were planting seeds and then watering, and then there's the growth, you know. So it's just a cool picture of, especially in this situation where teams kind of came back to the same place to pick up where they had left off, mm. where you see God, yeah, doing the joy of the sower right there, you know. And so as they're learning joy of the sower at base camp, and then you're like, well, this is what it, this is what it looks like uh, in real life. And it's a powerful thing. Um, and another team more recently uh, that came kind of had the same situation. Uh, I believe it was Jake. Jake had gone um, to hang out with a friend of ours uh, who was a teacher and had some students. And so Jake met one of those students who had really good English and was real curious about kind of spiritual things. And so, yeah, Jake had, was able to share with that guy. And I remember he came back one night to my house like, hey, uh, this young man is real, real interested, you know, just what some things I could say or talk about. So we talked about some things, you know, to present to him, three circles, you know, simple gospel stuff like that. And then the next night, Jake went back and was able to share more. And on the last night, as we're getting closer, you know, he invited this student to that party. And um, that night, Jake comes back and he's like, he's ready to believe, you know. But I'm like, well, did he believe? like, I don't know. You want to lead him? You know, you want to help me? I'm like, yeah, let's go. So we go meet the guy. And then, yeah, he prays to become a believer. That young man uh, is, you know, still following uh, faithfully uh, Christ right now in this place. And he has a really strong witness, you know. And so... Mm. Wow. It's really cool to see a team member get to be there for that moment, you know, and kind of like be part of that. Again, that doesn't always happen, but the beauty is <laughs> that the sowing is just as important as the reaping, you know. It, you can't have one without the other. So I think that's why it's so cool that I go really uh, focuses on that at training, like from the get-go. Hey, guys, don't be disappointed with sowing. It's, it's actually more important, you know, in the process because it's the harder work. Uh, and you mm. all rejoice together, you know. Um, but, and we're still rejoicing, <laughs> still rejoicing. Those, those, I know you could probably keep telling stories, and I love them. Like, they're so great, like, to hear that story. Because, yeah, Chelsea got to experience the reaping. But, you know, you said it doesn't always happen. It didn't happen for the other two teams, you know. Right. They met Cupid and just poured into her, and they sowed seeds, and it's the only thing we can control, and I love that. And, you know, when we started this this part of the conversation, we're like, is this worth it? You know, is short-term teams, if somebody's out there going, I'm not sure this is worth all the hassle, the trouble, all the stuff, and the way you answer that, and you said you could have talked about it for two hours, and I appreciate you not doing that, but, mm-hmm. like, the way you answered it is perfect because, number one, I think a lot of people overlook the fact that this is a huge personal, emotional, spiritual boost for the missionary family. Definitely. I think people overlook the yeah, importance so. of that. But then the other side of that is I think people sometimes look at short-term missions like, man, is that really making a difference? Is that really helping? And you just walked us through that so well, like your strategy of a blank calendar, which, guys, if you're, if you're a youth pastor and you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out where to go, you need to find a missionary like this. You need to find a guy who's going to let your team do what he does because a lot of Mark's days are blank calendars. What's God's going to lead me to next? And this team comes in and, and – expands their work and we've had other missionaries that have said the same thing and it's just so 
it's so encouraging for me and Kai on this side to sit there and listen to that because we can't believe we're a part of it either, you know, that we send teams to you and you use them mm-hmm. so well to do this. And so Thank you. I, I, I love that. We want to get you back so we can start sending you teams again, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But, like, let's drill down a little bit deeper into this idea. So how do you do that, man? Like, what is the key to trusting a short-term team like that? Uh, I mean, hey, man, just go out into my city and meet people and tell me what God is doing. There's a high level of trust that you've put on that short-term team in order to allow them to do that instead of just say, hey, go paint that bench over there that (laughs) the other 10 teams painted. And then um, as a missionary, what do you think is the key to using a team well? Like, how, how do you think through that lens of, like, how can I really use this team well? You know, um, since I have been with IGO for so long and I went through as a leader for many years, I, I, I know the quality <laughs> that IGO's pumping out, you know. So I know you got base camp and I know that you're going to be unpacking some really important things for the teams to understand as they, and then implement when they get there. So obviously you don't know the background of every student. Even IGO doesn't know right. the background of the students coming. You just kind of assume if a student is having a heart to do this, to, to set aside a summer, to raise money, to commit to something this big, you know, it's a sacrifice, you know, and I think God honors that. I, th- I think he really honors it when young people do that, you know, and it's shocking to some, like, how, why would you do that? You have a young person who says, I'm going to go spend my summer in China. Their, their friends are going to be like, what are you doing? You know, why? We, we're going to be right. here this summer. We're going to the lake every day, you know, like, come on. And so, you know, just, just there that this is a different person, this kid who's, he's, he or she is in tune a little bit with the Lord. Then they get to base camp, and then you guys, you, you take that, and you kind of harness it. You know, this is how you can laser focus when you go. So we're trusting, you know, those things that God is bringing mm. the right person, and if they've gone through all this trouble, they're supposed to be here. Hmm. That's right. a, it's, a, it's, it's a step of faith, maybe. And there's different personalities, and different young people respond differently in these in this in this uh, high pressure situation, mm-hmm. some thrive. They have the personality to be the outgoing. But we've always seen that on a team, it's so different personalities. There's always some who have strengths making up for others' weaknesses. You know, you might have one on the team who's just a, a super prayer warrior, and they might not go out every day and be out meeting everybody. But they're praying for the other person who is that way. You mm-hmm. know, and they have just as important job of interceding. You know. They're not that outgoing tight, but they, they have a prayer closet that they can throw up anywhere and get on their knees and pray. And so we've seen how teams in the different dynamics, you know, they come together for like a common thing, you know. So I, I say don't think well, only a certain type of person is going to work on a mission mm-hmm. trip. God can use anybody because there's different roles to play. Yep. Honestly, we've had a team where uh, just one of the members served our family really well, sure. you know, and I... That bled, that touched us because we thought this poor person spent all the time raising money just to come and like clean our dishes and play with our kids every day, you know. And we're like, go, go. And they're like, no, I just want to pour into you. And we're like, okay. So that that just blew us away, hmm. you know. And to think that God might have just brought somebody for us. So there's different roles people are gonna have. There's different things they're gonna accomplish. But um, for us, it's a no-brainer. I, I think. We know, we, we trust that God is working in people's lives. And if the Holy Spirit is pushing somebody to do something of this kind of magnitude, you know, to take this kind of step, 
that they're here for a reason. They're on the team for a reason. They're in our city. They're in our house for a reason. We don't know what that's going to be. It might be sharing the gospel a lot. It might just be praying a lot. It might just be pouring into our kids a lot. But we love to we love to see it happen, you know. Mm. So we don't really, and I know there might be some like, how am I going to use this team? That's why I say have a more hands-off approach. Mm. Don't try to micromanage it because you can really stifle maybe what God's going to use them and just be open to them. Maybe this is just other M's out there that might are thinking, should we have a team come? Right. You definitely should, you know, and, and let God kind of stretch your faith. Uh, there's so many angles on this, you see? Yep. The Lord's using us. He's working on us as host families, the same he's working on the kids. Are you going to trust me? You know, are you going to mm-hmm. uh, let, let me lead this big thing? So it's just a huge thing you guys are part of. It's just so, you know, and so I'm, yeah, well, we, we, we don't really have, over the years we've just seen so much confirmation that this is so beneficial for so many people. Um, I think the second part, you just said how to use them well. And I think, yeah, it's mainly, it's mainly just encouraging them to be themselves on the trip. Don't, don't beat yourself up, mm. you know, because uh, this guy's met 10 people and I haven't met anybody yet. Don't worry about it, you know. You can be praying. Um, you'll see what God's going to do. It might not even be while you're on this trip, but later on, you know, because he's trying to do something maybe different. So hands-off approach, <laughs> that's, my, that's my strategy, isn't it? Let, let kind of God lead it, and we just trust you guys that you guys are sending us. Uh, haven't failed us yet, you know, I don't know. Well, Don't, don't slack off on your... <laughs> I appreciate you saying kind things about that, the type of student we send, because we've obviously gotten a lot better over the years at, you know, screening those students mm-hmm. and trying to... Our job is to discern who, what kid is really ready for this. Right. There's lots of kids that may want to do it right. for lots of different reasons, mm-hmm. and some of those stories we just probably won't ever tell yeah um, but like we've learned a lot in that process and you know you keep laughing about the hands-off approach and everything but that's part of the that's a big part of the reason why we want our teams to work with you mm-hmm. is because one of our other missionaries gave us this phrase obedience over activity mm-hmm. we want to teach kids how to be obedient to the father to the spirit mm-hmm. wherever they are yeah and we can create activities that will produce some stuff, right? but man, if you can teach them just to look at the world through the mm-hmm. missional view and say, where is God leading me? Who does he want me to talk to? Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing, Mark. And mm-hmm. so that is a strategy. Mm-hmm. It's a hands-off, let's go be obedient to the Spirit. And we want them to learn that because you know, we want to be able to take a student, drop them anywhere, a school on, in America, a college mm-hmm. campus, a village out in a remote part of the world, and right. they just go, yeah. What is God doing here, and how can I get involved? And so right. that's a huge part of this for us. I'd say one of the benefits of that sort of a way to use students of having a more hands-off approach is what they learn on a trip like that is transferable, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you set up 100 different activities for them to do, well, the reality is when they come back to the States and want to live on mission, they're not going to have mm-hmm. a missionary that's like, hey, yeah. Saturday I've got this set up for you, so you right. can go do this and meet these people, you know, and just right. like hand it to them on a silver platter. Right, right. That's not that's not realistic. That's not something they're going to be able to utilize right. when you get back home in your everyday life. So I love that, and I love that you and really all of our missionaries, in fact, we kind of have what we call a, we call it a, a matrix, I guess, but a, a filter, I guess, when we evaluate when we meet a missionary and hear about his or her work and whether or not we want to send teams, we kind of look for two things. One, do they have like a vision for 
how to use the students to impact their ongoing work in a meaningful mm-hmm. way. And then two, do they, do they also have a heart for what the student learns mm-hmm. and what they take away and how they grow? So it sounds like a lot of what you're saying is that part of the key to hosting teams well is, is having a view to both those things of not just mm-hmm. seeing them as, as workhorses to help you. Yeah, that's, that's a huge part of it, but there's another side of it of how is God going to use that in their life to, to push them to live on mission and knowing that some of them, not all, necessarily not all of them or even most of them, but some of them may end up through that trip growing mm-hmm. in such a way that they want to be overseas full time or, mm-hmm. or become a missionary. So that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, full disclaimer, I'm totally trying to recruit people to come back full time. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, who? We because, want that. you know, that's ultimately uh, a prayer of mine is that more workers will be sent into the, into the field, you know. The, yeah. the field is a ripe, you know, so ask God that he would send workers. So, and, you know, I went through that process myself of being on a team and then going full time. So I kind of... I'm always looking uh, and just encouraging those people to think, what would it look like if you came back? Because we don't, not everybody's, everybody's going to come, but there will be some that God might put that in into their heart to do. So to try to also give them a view of what it might look like um, if they did that. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely um, something that we're, we want to really help the students you know, bring, come back to the States and be able to, how can I continue this? You know, how mm. can I take what I learned here? You know, and just kind of like being led by the spirit, you know, Jesus sent him out two by two without really much more than that, you know, just go. Uh, Cause God has something that he's going to mm. reveal as you go. Yeah. So bring, bringing them back long-term or whatever, like uh, we want to do that again. We haven't done that in a while. We want to do this go year thing again. Mm-hmm. Where I know that we've had students that would want to go, and so maybe when you get where you're going, where God's going to open up the doors, that'd be mm-hmm. something. So that just in case Chelsea or Amy's listening to this, they will know that their <laughs> guinea pig, Amy, their survive. guinea pig year wasn't in vain. Right? Like, that they they paved the way, and I know that they probably know very well they were guinea pigs in a lot of ways. But that cold winter around those little heaters, <laughs> your labor was not in vain, Amy. Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hope that I'm sure they paved the way, paved the way for others. For sure. Well, well, speaking of heaters, speaking of heaters, it's time for a section we like to call Rapid Fire. Rapid Fire. This is where we throw some questions at you that we've not given you ahead of time so that you have to answer on the fly. Real slow. Get some real. Hijack this mm. rapid fire. (laughs) Your wife's not here to help you remember. Uh Mm -hmm. So. It's going to be a little lighter in this section, a little more fun, hopefully. So start with this one. I'm sure there's, again, a hundred stories you could pull from here. But if you had to pick one, the funniest thing that ever happened with an IGO team (laughs) could be a team you were on, could be a team that you hosted as a missionary. Yeah, I think think the... The banner year was that first year. Kai, you know about some of these stories, but, you know, <laughs> that first trip to, uh, to China, we were in a, a city, uh, and we were living on a college campus, and we spent a lot of time, you know, just kind of going out and just walking because there's a lot of plazas, a lot of big squares, right? And so as a team, we were just walking around, probably just thinking it was just another day, maybe do some prayer walk, real safe, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, Here's the thing about China. If you're a foreigner, 
you stand out, obviously, right? And you speak English. So these two things are magnets, especially English. Everybody there wants to hear it, practice it, listen to it. So one day we were walking across the huge plaza, and we noticed there's a stage on the other side, very far away, this I is, think. This is a big city. This is, big city. This is like multi-million person. I don't remember how big, but like several Millions. million people in this city. Yeah. Yeah. And a huge plaza and a big stage, but you know, far away, you could hear what was going on through the big speakers. And at some point, I think we heard something like, oh, look, Amer- foreigners, <laughs> please come over here. And so you're kind of like, did we just get the gift of tongues? Or are they speaking English now? You know, the, yeah. whoever had the mic, the MC on the stage starts to call us over and we all look at each other like, well, here we go. You know, this is what we were trained for. So we walk over uh, to the stage and I just remember we got up. She calls us up on stage. It's not a huge crowd of people, right? But it's people, you know, out there in the plaza sitting. And apparently it was International Children's Day, which I know we all celebrate. <laughs> it's a big a day. Lot of pomp. Yeah, the yes. big day here in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't know what she's talking about already at this point. We're like, Children's Day? She's like, so how do you celebrate Children's Day? <laughs> like, we have lots of children. I don't know. So we're just like, we've never heard of this. But we didn't, we didn't actually admit that. And she goes, well, would you be willing to make a speech for Children's Day, you know? <laughs> Um, so this might be something you guys want to throw into. I go, uh, I, I go base camp. Oh, training it's, it's been in yeah, there. It's, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Make a speech, right? Make a speech. So, um, I don't remember how, but everyone's like past the mic. No, you do. You know, you know, and eventually did I do the speech? Okay. Yeah. I thought I did the speech, but I didn't want to take it off. So the speech was, I guess I was a leader. So in the end they're like, this is on you, Mark. Um, and so I decided what I was inspired at the moment, I don't know if the Holy Spirit or what, but the, the famous Whitney Houston song, um, The Greatest Love of All, came to my mind. And so I took the mic and I looked at the lady and I looked at the crowd and I said, I believe that the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Now, the good thing is nobody really in the crowd could understand anything I was saying. So it didn't really matter. But the team knew and they, they kind of lost it. <laughs> or maybe we all did cigarettes. If we had lighters, right? We would have done the lighters. Yeah, bit. no cell phones back then. I don't remember how much the song I remember, but I just quoted as much as I could. And the lady thought it was the most beautiful speech she'd ever heard. <laughs> I might have ended up on the news that night if there were cameras there. But yeah, that's where you just, you got to go with the flow. And, you know, you realize that the people there are just so appreciative to see, you know, people would come to our country and want to come and visit, you know, and then that, that they, we speak English. So that was, that was a funny, one of my fun uh, memories of early on, early on. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. you, you bring up something. I'm, I'm going to jump ahead Go here. Ahead. One question. Um, so you bring up something about how you may have been on the news, which is not an unfamiliar situation for you to be in my understanding is there have been multiple incidents in which you were nationally televised in either taiwan or china so i'm gonna ask you to recollect Mm. how many times have you been on national tv now you don't know like how many times it is local the local okay how many times have you been on tv and and i don't you don't know how many times they played this commercial right but like but like how many different shoots or settings were there in which you were part of something that was televised how much furniture has new world furniture sold (laughs) 
<laughs> as a result question. of my spaceman suit and jumping around. Describe that spaceman suit. What was it? You that? know, it's funny because I recently found a box of VHS tapes in my house. <laughs> yeah, so you I did. bought a VHS player two weeks ago. No, no, no lie. My wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, just watch, honey. Put in the tape. And there I was. <laughs> yeah, so there they you had were the in idea a, of, in a in a see-through jacket, <laughs> clear rain jacket, clear rain jacket, <laughs> capri, <laughs> shiny pants. I don't, know, I don't know how else to describe them. And they basically said, just run around, <laughs> do stuff with your hands like a spaceman, and we're going to film you. Yeah. You know, half an hour, do that, you know. Yeah. We're so, going to sell furniture with this. We're going to sell, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to move some couches. They went out of business, I think is what happened. So it's like half an hour of me. I come up to the camera. I do some stuff. My, my children are like, what are you doing, Dad? I'm like, I'm I remember, selling furniture. I remember when you showed it to me, the very first thing, it yeah. was like a boom, you know, like yeah. a big loud intro. And you were like jumping yeah. up on a chain link <laughs> thing and growling at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the growl scene. And then there was the other one where you were uh, working at a hotel wearing like a big Abe Lincoln mm-hmm. top hat, opening yeah. the door. Yeah, that was a big group of us. My sister's in that one. She actually got to spin around with doves flying up. It was uh, some some uh, property commercial. Yeah, I'm the doorman, and then two seconds later, I'm playing the piano in the lobby. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> it's an, it is an awesome gig. So yeah. safe to say. You just safe never say, know. You never know. Where you're going to end up. I believe Kelly Kleincourt uh, also ended up on national TV, like like the big Like, like a legit, big in a legit way, right? Legit like way. Like she was performing. Performing on yeah. a stage, like in their, one of their big national holidays, you know, up in Inner Mongolia. So, like, you never know. This could lead to all kinds kinds of opportunities <laughs> yeah stardom actually you're probably the most famous person we've had on the podcast yeah. i mean name another one more famous than this guy <laughs> maybe we need to get kelly in next but, yep if you guys ever do down. an igo commercial you know who to call me well we we don't sell a lot of furniture right but maybe we could do something with that sweater you're wearing that's that crew neck sweatshirt. That's my fave right here. And uh, if we could make a see-through version of some of our merch. <laughs> Even better. Mark Even better, be man. Some shiny joggers or something. like. <laughs> yeah, that one. I'm going to put that on YouTube soon, so I'll provide a link. Yeah, just sent like, a link. I'm glad that you went out and bought a VHS player instead mm-hmm. of like just paying somebody to convert it. Well, I wanted to be sure. <laughs> I wanted to be sure. Okay. And I got you the player for 35 up, cash. You can't get that That's back. That's right. You went the other way with this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I'll think digitize it. Maybe they're coming back. Maybe VHS <laughs> tapes are going to come back. Like, you know, everybody's got their little record, radio, players, radio yeah, players yeah, yeah. now. So we'll get the VHS out. All right. Last rapid fire, bro. Like we did funny, but what's the craziest thing? you've ever experienced overseas. And I know one of these, and I'm not sure I'm comfortable with you telling it, but we'll just see what happens. We'll trust the Lord. But You like, know, it's funny that I, I would not have thought of that until you said that. Because this is, <laughs> I've often thought, is this something that will ever be spoken? It's been so long, I think it's okay, because like, it was just a dumb... Statute of limitations is up. Yeah, yeah dumb, I think dumb so. Thing. Don't even use that term. It sounds like something even worse. <laughs> <laughs> that whole trip, actually... From the get-go was just fish yep. out of water even for me you know going to greece like we we're going to we're going back to china that's the plan mm-hmm. and then last minute sars whatever that was and i just like hey we're not going to, we can't go to china and i'm like 
okay, I know Taiwan, I know some Chinese, I know China, but we're going to go to Greece. And so, of course, we're like, this is awesome, Greece, right? Yeah. You know, this is like walking in history, biblical history. So, of course, we're excited. It was a small team. Um, and we get there, and we're just like, how does this work, you know? And you know, I will say this. In many ways, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. And, and I, de- I definitely want to take a minute at some point to talk about this idea of relationship, because that's the key to all of this. In my mind, it's relationships. So whether you're in China or you're in Greece or wherever you are, Middle East, it's relationship, you know. And so we we ended up actually proving this theory in Greece. We kind of knew China because China, um, I tell people all the time, you know, Jesus talks about fishing for men. And when you go to China, it's literally like the fish jump into the boat Hmm. because uh, you're just you, you attract people mainly through English. They want to practice English so bad. So it's easy to meet people. Now, Greece was different. Everyone there was super cool. Like, like we were the dorks. The Americans, we look like dorks compared to everybody. Everybody looked cool, <clears throat> shades, cool hair, fancy clothes, and we're just like cargo T-shirts. We look like bums. You know, it's so like nobody really wanted to talk to us. You know, so we were like, we're just not a drawing attention. We're like this bad attention here. You know, we look so... So we had to like kind of get out of our comfort zone. That ended up going to some club to hear some rappers because we met some rappers some hip-hop break dance rappers and we're like man we'll take anything right now we're like <laughs> bottom of the barrel we need to meet some people so please yes we would love to come and you know what was so funny is that through going to that concert that night they fell in love with us it was the most odd couple pairing you've ever it seen was. you know preppy white whatever and then these uh grecian uh, greek high school college kids you know that are uh, tatted up and baggy pants and uh, the the main singer dog mother was her you know aka name dog mother and jamster and uh jamster. man we we got really tight with them over the next three weeks because we just hung out all the time we just kind of was like lord we believe this is who we're here for and we poured in we shared the good news you know? it, it's the same thing building it's relationships with people in two places so you're going to meet a Cupid or you're going to meet a dog mother. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. Like, doesn't they matter. both need to hear Jesus, and they, they need to know somebody who cares, and that's really, really cool. For that sure. is the key, you know. And I just was thinking, I've had a lot of time over the years to think about what is the secret sauce to this thing, you know, that we do. And um, obviously everything God does is for his glory, and he wants to be worshipped among all the nations okay so there's we have to go it's the great commission but that's a uh, macro level micro level god invites us into a relationship through jesus christ we have a relationship with him and from that relationship flow all relationships and if you talk to anyone on earth what's the most important thing in your life my relationships you know that's the thing that that people talk about right Um, not the things they own not the things they even do but the people and so We talked early on about teams going, a young person going. They have relationships here. What they don't realize is that they can have meaningful relationships overseas with someone that they might not even be able to speak the same language with, but God will, in a way, through His Spirit, knit them together with somebody for the purpose of that person, of that person being among the nations who will worship Him. Like he, so you don't have to worry about your ability or inability or your personality or what can you not... God is going to use you in a real supernatural way because he wants to be glorified among the nations. And so you have to go among the nations to do that. And so what I've noticed is this relationship thing, it's it's incredible because um, when you go, 
you meet people that you don't expect to meet, you don't know who you're going to meet, and you start to meet people. And I've seen team after team and individual after individual become close to somebody that they didn't know literally a week before, and now their heart's broken for them, and they're going into their house, and they're meeting their family, and they're praying for them. Um, and so it's a new burden that they've taken on. And to me, it's a beautiful thing. You know, as the, as the host family, we, we want to share that burden with people because it's a heavy burden for us. The more people we can share it with, they'll mm. take it on. But also, the more relationships that are built. Two years out of our country, we just, our hearts still break over those relationships that were severed so quickly, you know. And I still have quite a few that I'm in touch with regularly, but it's not the same as when you're there with them, you yeah. know, so... Thank God that he calls us into relationship and he sends us out to make relationships, you know, the things that really matter. Um, so, man, it's a, it's a cool thing that these teams can come be a part of, to start to be a part of. And I'll, and I'll say this. One of the team members that came back recently from one of our last teams was sharing with me how, guess what she's doing? Guess what she's doing now that she's back here in the States on a college campus? relationships it's all she wants to do it's all she thinks about it's uh it you know she even gave up one of her extracurricular activities to have more time for relationship hmm. and so she's telling me hey i'm just i'm just inviting uh, you know students from india and japan into my apartment and we just sit around and eat and i share the good news you know and they're like i've never heard this and i'm like light bulb like that's what yep. we did there you do it here yep. and it's it's just relationship mark you've hinted around at this a little bit tell us whatever you can tell us about what the situation is in your life. Like you, you had to get out of where you were. So um, if you don't want to talk, go through the details of that, that's totally fine. We understand that. But like what have you been doing now yeah. um, in this season of waiting for the next thing and where do you see yourself headed? Yeah, we basically COVID, you know, as it's done for many, it, it just turned things upside down. Uh, it's ironic that we had just gone – <laughs> we take like a winter vacation every year because it gets so cold in yeah. our city. We, we head to the beach and we are just in idyllic, you know, setting. We're there in Malaysia, actually, and we come back into our country. And, yeah, there's just, you know, people wearing masks all of a sudden and we're getting messages about uh, COVID. And so within a matter of a, a week, really, just from our situation in our city and looking at the, the health infrastructure and how things are there, we're like, it's probably safer to get our kids and, and go back. At the time, we did not know how, you know, what a final decision that was going to be, you know, mm -hmm. that we wouldn't be able to get back in. Cause you probably just left for a few weeks to flatten the curve, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll get out of here. The curve goes down, we'll come back. Uh, just a hop, a skip, and a jump, right? And so, lo and behold, you know, global, it goes global. and uh, It lasted a while. It's lasted a while, hasn't it? I heard it, it did. Yeah. That's right. Um, and so we... We had to let go of things, our apartment, our stuff, and kind of, and so we've turned our sights to Taiwan right now. So yeah, praise the Lord. He has opened up a door for our family to go to Taiwan and kind of answered other prayers. You know, as our kids were growing up in that city, there wasn't any education opportunities other than homeschool. And, you know, that just, as, as good as my wife was and as well as my kids did in homeschool, there's in that setting especially, there's some social things lacking, you know, some opportunities to connect. So we were looking to maybe go to another city in the, in the country we were in uh, for that. And so now 
will be at a school. Yeah, it's called Morrison. I can, it's Morrison. It's a Christian school in Taiwan. It's been there, established as a missionary school back in the day, like nice. uh, early 1900s. <clears throat> and yeah, we're going to go. Uh, we'll be in that campus. Our kids will be students there. My wife's going to teach high school Spanish to MKs. A lot of MKs and a lot of Taiwanese students. It's kind of a mixture. I'm going to be the chaplain of middle school, so I'm really excited. Um, and I'm going to teach some Bible classes, you know. And so it's, mm-hmm. The school is like, this is our mission field here, you know, our student body. We want to really give them a foundation in Christ. And you just have a mix, you know, every student's different in their walk. So that's kind of like our day job, so to speak, you know, what the Lord's going to do with us in that place as far as a family and ministry and teams coming and how that could look. You know, I'm incredibly excited (laughs) because there's just, obviously we don't have to deal with some of the issues we were dealing with before. Um, not that we're going to go now and paint churches and do VBS, but we have a lot more freedom uh, to just be, yeah, you know, to go out and maybe have a little bit more structure. But I'm, I'm I, you know, I lean towards. Yeah. But at least be more open. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, yeah. be more open. So maybe some people are trying to figure out, like, well, you're a missionary and you're not on the mission field, so what have you been doing? Yeah. So I, I want you to talk about that because I think that's really cool, and I want, I want our audience especially our students. I want them to hear what you've been doing and how they can uh, support that. So talk about that. You know, this actually started <laughs> back at, at, when I was a student at DBU. I, well, I've, liked to, I've been writing for a long time, yes. since I was a kid. I've, I've loved to write. I just never could finish anything that I started writing. And so I started a book when I was in college that I felt like the Lord really laid on my heart, like a missionary adventure story. I'd gone to Venezuela on a mission team bef- in college. Um, and so that kind of inspired the book. It's, it's called Let the Children Come, and it's basically about a college guy who kind of gives up his, his fame as an athlete in the middle of the school year and burns a lot of bridges and causes a lot of issues in, in his little hometown to go and kind of uh, mentor, be a youth pastor, some, some rich uh, expat kids over in Venezuela, mm-hmm. okay? And just all kinds of stuff comes out of that. His whole thing is kind of like we talked about, relationships. God has put you kids here to start having relationships with people outside of your little safe community. And then it's just, it's all about what happens when that, when they catch that vision, you know? And I, I believe in my heart that Jesus says, let the children come because children have this special ability to trust God in ways that adults forget mm-hmm. and that he wants to use them to like, it's kind of like the, the, the foolish will, you know, shame the wise. Like he's going to use the upside down thing. And kids is a perfect example of that. So I, I took that premise and like, what could happen? if some young people totally just took God as his word. Hmm. And so it's, that's the premise. And then that story took a long time to finish, as you know. It's been published quite a few times, but I finally feel like I got the finished product that I could really believe in. And, and so that's kind of been launched with a website that I recently kind of threw out to people through Facebook. It's called Resonate Books. I started an LLC, ResonateBooks.com. Mm-hmm. If you go there, <clears throat> excuse me, you'll kind of see a, a, a list of different books that, that I've been able to write. What happened was when we came back, and I'd been teaching for so long, and I, I knew I could start teaching again because you can really start teaching at any point. But with COVID going on, it wasn't so easy to get a teaching position at first. And my wife said one day, hey, I know you want to write. I know you got some books on your heart, so I'll give you like a year. I'll go teach. And you kind of take care of the kids, you know, and, and then you write as much as you can. And so I was like, okay, are you sure about this? Because this sounds good. So we, we did that. And so for the past year, 
God put quite a few stories on my heart that I've been able to write, um, some kids' books that I inspired. My daughter uh, had some input on one of them about riding some clouds around the world with her grandfather. Um, and my grandpa was a cowboy growing up, so one of the books is about him and his, his uh, experience with some cows. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, always kicking the milk over and how he just cussed those cows out every day until he <laughs> met Jesus one day in, in a little church in the town, and that was kind of the end of his cow-cursing career. So it's a little bit based on that. Um, and then I really had... There's another book I wrote called A Floor of Heaven, Roof of Earth. It started out as just a story of a young boy and his grandfather in a village in China and their experience on a river. It was a very secular story. I wrote it like 10 years ago. Well, I found it like last year and I dusted it off and I was like, well, what would really happen if the Lord was in this story? And so I really, I'm, yeah, I believe in this story. I think it's a powerful story of how God works in places where there's no Christian witness, how he does supernatural things hmm. in places that are closed. And he shows up because he's always mighty to save wherever he's at. And so it's kind of a story about that. Um, it's a story of brokenness and redemption happening in the most unlikely place, you know, between two people you would think would never, ever be able to hear the name of Jesus. But Jesus is there. Ancient work. And then the last one I'll just uh, uh, push is um, Prayers Till Dawn. This is based on an actual IGO team member yep. and some of her experiences in our city. And um, it, I kind of packed a lot of stories into this one story, but it's basically a bottom line story um, and a joy of the sower story. So I've kind of set a three books aside as a little collection to the ends of the earth. And I would just encourage any I go person, a youth yeah. pastor, anybody to get that collection because I think it'll speak to God's mighty power to save and to his bottom line and kind of show some different aspects of what we've talked about today. What does God do in the life of the short term M? What does he do for the host family? Mm -hmm. And what can he do with a person who has never been even, uh, has never had a chance to meet either one of those two people? He can save them too, yeah. right? Because we're not, we're not uh, Jesus is the answer in the end, you know, not us. So, so resonatebooks.com, check it out. Edit that down as short as you need to <laughs> uh, that I just No, it's all good. Resonatebooks.com because it's good stories. We need more stories like this, and and the genre of this is kind of young adult, missionary, fiction, fictional, missionary fiction, adventure type stories, all that. Resonatebooks.com, and then um, not only will will this be something that's benefit the pe person who picks it up and reads it, but it, it's supporting you guys as a family, as missionaries too, and that's a huge part of this as well. So thank and you, you. And it's it's not going to be under Mark, right? If someone's looking for it, I'm going to get confused when yeah, I see the author's name. That's What's right. I, my, the pen name is D.C. Lee. D.C. Lee. So initials D.C. and Lee. D is for my, my father, Dwight. Um, C is for my stepfather, Chadwick, and then Lee is my grandfather. So just some of the important men in my life. Well, we can't fact check that, so we'll just, we'll <laughs> just, just take my word for it. So. <laughs> take my word for it. DC Lee. DC Lee. And yeah, resonatebooks.com. And one of those stories, Kai. Um, yeah, I just think we do have some alumni listening. They might like to know that Prayers Till Dawn is about Maddie. Um, if you guys know Maddie Ellis, you may have been on a team with her, served with her at Launchbox. So yeah. really cool. It's not she's her name the, in the inspiration. Book. Yes. Yeah, she's the inspiration for it. She had a. Uh, a crazy idea to prayer walk her last night while she was there. I could, I, 
I know the Lord did a really big work on her on that trip. She was a huge blessing to our family on that trip. And so when she came that night and was like, hey, I would like to prayer walk, you know, again, the dynamics of our city were kind of unique, a small city, um, and I knew that it was it's a safe place. So I was like, if you feel led to do it, you know, this is how you're going to say goodbye and, mm-hmm. and wrap up your trip, you know, all power. We need all the prayer we can get. So she went out and did that, um, and I kind of took that premise. Uh, again, it's fiction. It is a fictional account um, just to say what what's possible. Very cool. Well, thanks, bro. Thanks. Good, good seeing you. Keep good up the good work, guys. We're going to give it a God shot. bless you guys. Look, open up all the countries and kill this pandemic. Right. We're You're ready. Yeah. Chomping at okay. the bit. Let's go.